0: Hello and welcome to CORE Women. My name is Dr. Summer Watson and I'm the founder of CORE Women and I'm also an empowerment strategist for women. So if you're listening to this podcast to delve more into empowerment strategies, well you're here for the right reason. However, CORE Women was also developed because it's a special place that provides a unique idea of home for the hearts and souls of women. It's a place for us to share our strength, energy, wisdom, and authenticity It's a place for women to find support and strategic empowerment ideas that will help support their lives. Today on the show, I would like to welcome Bridget Ayaruso, who is an international speaker, coach, and leadership trainer. She has taught entrepreneurial leadership at UC Berkeley for over eight years and has helped hundreds of entrepreneurs around the world. Let's get right into talking about your journey, Bridget, and welcome.
1: Hi, Summer. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. So let's get right into this and tell me about how your business journey began.
1: So that's a great question. My journey began probably over 20 years ago. I studied international affairs and public policy and was really feeling jaded and didn't really feel that I was in school understanding. Pretty much anything practically around the things I cared about which were at that time grassroots economic development international human rights and how to support communities around the world that were marginalized in getting themselves out of poverty and so my work began in Guatemala and Peru and traveling around Central and South America with a number of different organizations working on grassroots civic development like getting communities engaged around their own civil society development, around their own economic development initiatives in partnership with organizations. And my very first experience was around micro lending and women's Mm. cooperatives and small loans to um, indigenous and farming groups. And then some of the other initiatives I was involved in were around land rights and negotiating with big um, multinational extractive corporations like mining companies and how to support local communities and coming to the table with the communication and the leadership and the negotiation tools to actually speak up for their rights and to get at the table and negotiate with people who are at a position of power and authority above them so that's where it all started and in many ways i feel like um the work that i do now is very tied to that and come full circle except that i I work here in the us with entrepreneurs
0: gotcha okay so in relation to what you did then, what you learned, and setting the foundation for where you are now, do you feel, feel more fulfilled You know, now in what you're doing? That's a really
1: interesting question. I don't know if it's as much fulfillment as feeling that my lifestyle and my ability to earn a living are in alignment with the value that I was putting out in the world, which is really the thing mm. that I work on with people in my coaching you know back in those days I was working as a volunteer as a program staff person for nonprofits working in governmental organizations where I was paid very little money and not to say that these programs didn't actually generate capital through um, fundraising activities but the money wasn't well spent in many ways and it definitely wasn't spent on paying people a salary or paying them enough for the impact that we were creating Um, and at the same time I feel like the, the, the way in which we were doing the work was very well meaning and in many ways was misguided or out of step with what I see now through the lens of being a coach and someone that empowers other people to solve their own problems a little bit was was missing from our approach to this um, back then. And so, you know, I feel equally fulfilled, but I feel sustainable now in the way that I do the work. I feel empowered to be my own boss, to make decisions, to implement the type of support for my clients or for the organizations that I work with that I really believe are going to help them and work with them as partners collaboratively to make those decisions in a way that really goes beyond what What was the way I did things in the nonprofit sector and and I actually make a really good living doing what I do now and I still have bandwidth and space to support initiatives in the developing world. I work with, you know, social impact entrepreneurial leaders in Mexico in Brazil. And in many ways, I feel like I create a bigger impact through the kinds of leaders that I support now because they're disruptive entrepreneurial leaders that are looking to solve some of the same problems that nonprofits are attempting to solve, but in very different ways using a sustainable revenue model. Yeah. Um, So it's really a very different way of looking at things. And in many ways... I've had to unlearn my own misgivings around capital and money for obvious reasons. You know, I came out of a nonprofit world where right. corporations were the devil Right. and they're the problem and they're not part of the solution. And in many ways we, we had to, while we attempted to partner with them, we would have partnered with them at a sort of a hands distance type of way, which is kind of these collaborations was very different than looking at the possibility that a business, a for-profit revenue model could actually be a solution that could actually bring a solution to a real social problem like lack of access or inequity or social injustice or food insecurity etc or housing insecurity you know looking at a company as the actual purveyor of a solution not to say it's easy i don't want to you know give the illusion that it's easy to bring in a revenue model and solve a social problem but there are companies that are doing good work in this area and i'm looking at you know, individual entrepreneurs doing things in very, very different ways. Um, and I have a lot of new renewed faith in looking at business as a force for social change, but in order to do that, we have to have some really conscious business lenses and tools to to do that well, in integrity.
0: I love that. I love how you just explained that, because when I graduated, was getting ready to graduate with my master's degree. I started out in nonprofit as well, and so I absolutely relate. Everybody wants their hand in the pot. Then it gets really competitive, and so the way they did things was very interesting. and And yes, we got really creative. But you know, in relation to personally being able able to sustain myself um, monetarily, it was very difficult. Um, how many money was spent was interesting. You know how it was allocated, where it was going. It, It was all very interesting. So, And then I also worked in for-profit, so in in the clinical arena. So I was able to see nonprofit, um, for-profit. So I really, really understand where you're coming from, but it's really interesting to see that you've mentioned about things like for-profit being a force for social change, making sure that they're in alignment with what is trying to be changed, and also having the integrity and the consciousness about it. You know, so I think those are all really, really important topics or issues to one that you've brought up and two to be discussed. Now, I'm going to go back a little bit. So, you've been teaching at UC Berkeley for eight years. How's that been?
1: So, it was a great journey. I'm very grateful to UC Berkeley for having had the opportunity to be really immersed in the world of business, which, again, for me was going deeper down into the rabbit hole of something that I had looked at in in ways that were, you know, kind of negative. And so I had the opportunity to meet many amazing people in business, learn from VCs, startup accelerators, experts in everything, marketing, branding, neurobranding, project management. You know, Mm -hmm. I myself received an eight-year education in business and developed deep partnerships with people in the Silicon Valley and Bay Area business ecosystems I got to teach every type of business content. I got to work on real case studies. I got to develop programs for students that go beyond the classroom. I got to hire and mentor and coach business leaders to become educators and coaches in the classroom. And I got to test and utilize my own sort of disruptive educational approach, which is really a combination of coaching, leadership training, adult-centered education, and then in many ways, very, very disruptive methodologies that put the student in the driver's seat and give them big challenges and let them learn by doing and understand what it actually takes to be an entrepreneur, to launch a business, to put themselves out there. And so I was supported in that for many years. I had an amazing director. Um, I'll actually mention her name. I'm very grateful to her, Roxanne Hernandez. She was always in my corner, even though sometimes I pushed things too far. Mm -hmm. And that's where we come fast forward to today. You know, Mm -hmm. when I was working at Berkeley years ago, I was part of the administration and I taught. And now I'm an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And I see things through a very different lens, again, because I'm no longer part of an organization, I've built my own. And so to put it simply without getting into too many details, I reached a place where I was so overt and explicit in my core values and my rejection of what I describe as bullshit <laughs> in uh, in higher education, right. in business. And and the fact that, you know, there were some individuals, not the entire institution, that took issue with me using that terminology, coming from a Latina woman who's direct, who has a master's degree, who's articulate, and saying that this was somehow inappropriate for me to speak truth to bullshit, when students actually were on fire in my classroom and lit up with motivation and inspiration and the desire to make real impactful lasting social change. I mean, I had students in my classes that had never heard about social entrepreneurship, never heard about social impact, literally left my classroom, went back to Brazil on fire, co-founded companies that were going out to big corporations in Brazil and getting money for social responsibility campaigns and doing amazing work. And for me, If the cost or the impact of doing that is using the word bullshit occasionally, Mm -hmm. and, and if that's looked at as problematic, then I came to this realization, and this was among other things that were obviously out of alignment, that it's probably not a fit because my entire business is built on being really candid and honest and transparent and sitting with the discomfort of real conversations about the complexity of doing business in integrity that is socially impactful and again back to my original point it's not easy it's not simplistic to do that well i mean all we have to do is look at bezos and whole foods and the path that it's gone down to to see what can happen when something that starts out as a great idea kind of shifts right when when shareholders Mm -hmm. come into the picture and businesses scale and Mm -hmm. revenue and operational budgets and again like bottom line, money starts to take over as the number one goal, right? Or the number one focus. And so these are the things I spoke to in my classes and students really were on fire about it. And for me, I'm, I'm at a place that I'm 44 years old. I am unapologetic in who I am. People know where I'm coming from. They know that I'm deeply committed. I'm authentic. I'm real. And if that's uncomfortable for some, then my question is, I wonder why, like, what is it about message that I'm bringing that is deeply uncomfortable for certain populations that are historically privileged and in positions of authority and power and usually get to call the shots.
0: Right. Right. So I like what you're saying about feeling uncomfortable and figuring out why. I also like what you're saying about the word bullshit. I'm going to tap into just for a moment here, the book that I, I just recently released, which is fuck yeah, get real with strong language. And I say that not solely because it's not a title that's gratuitous in language. What it is, is it's about understanding your core values and beliefs. It's a strategic approach to understanding your core values and beliefs. And again, when you understand those core values and beliefs, they are your guiding principles. They are going to align with what you want to do and what you want to embrace both personally and professionally. And once you figure that out, which you have done, it sounds like very, you know, very much so, and you're very clear about that, you decided many different instances that you wanted to go in this direction because that aligned with you personally, and professionally, and your own values and principles, which is great. Yeah, and
1: I, and, and I feel like there's something else here under the surface that's bubbling up for me that's the deeper truth that has to be spoken to, mm-hmm. which if we don't and we try to stay in the comfort zone of being PC, we're not going to get at it. Business, historically, academia, institutions of wealth and privilege are historically run by white men. Right. I am not a white man. I present as white in the world. I have a lot of privilege. I get into those spaces because of how I look. But the reality is I'm coming from a background of being a biracial, bilingual, Latino woman that was raised in New York City among very different life experiences than that of someone that perhaps sits in a position of power and authority at a big university or at a a big company. And what I've come to, to sort of understand in the 14 years that I've been in the Bay Area and in, in engaging with different institutions with people of privilege that come from a different life experience than my own that perhaps come from socioeconomic privilege and, mm-hmm. and have never actually been directly themselves impacted by marginalization or lack or been close enough to it to really understand it viscerally other than from a textbook ver- version of it or having had conversations about it. I think there is often this perception that being bold, brash, direct, or using that kind of language when it comes from someone from a marginalized group or from a different socioeconomic background is unprofessional or problematic. But that language is used across boardrooms around the United States. Our president utilizes that language and nobody frowns upon it. And there's another dynamic in that that I've noticed with people of privilege and it's the sort of superiority card, the race card of like, when white people speak in ways that are quote, PC or professional, they may be saying things that are deeply harmful, untruthful, negatively impacting other groups. But if they're said in ways that are elegant or professional, then they're not harmful. But really the work that I do is grounded in a lens around equity and diversity. And the Mm -hmm. truth of the matter is that it's not about intention or the tone of what you say. It's the actual impact. And so if what you're saying is untruthful, or dangerous or a lie and puts marginalized people at risk, that's more dangerous. Just because you said it in a way that sounds sophisticated doesn't mean it's less harmful. And often other individuals from different cultural communication styles speak to issues in ways that are more direct and they are labeled as unprofessional or problematic or angry even. When they're being passionate and direct and explicit in ways that are uncomfortable for other people. So there's really all those dynamics, you know, uh, tied in with the work that I do in the world as a coach, as a speaker, and someone that is out there really working with other diverse individuals that are in the space of business and entrepreneurship that come from underrepresented groups in the space of entrepreneurship and really working on collaboratively understanding that we have permission to use our voice and it will, in fact, resonate with the right people. And for those that it doesn't resonate with, they're probably not our people. And ultimately, the core values may not be fully aligned.
0: Right. No, I, I absolutely understand. And as a matter of fact, I'm back here clapping, at least on what you're saying, because I, I mentioned Trump in this book about using the language and about the differences between the demographics and women and men and those of color and, and so forth and so on. And it's, it's, it's really interesting that you mentioned all of that because some of that is also in this book. So it's, I'm like doing the high five back here. <laughs> I'm getting it. Yeah. And then there's it, the politics
1: say. of money. There's, you know, as I'm saying this, that there's that like inner gremlin, right? Because this is the stuff right. I work with my clients. Don't be too political, Brigitte. Don't speak your political views because then people won't want to do business with right. you. And then I have to stop myself and say, if someone heard what I was saying and was really perturbed by it and really and didn't want to have a conversation with me as a result of it. I probably shouldn't be doing business with that individual. And that's okay because my brand is grounded in my deeply held core values around equity and access and equal opportunity and seeing all people as equally capable but not equally able to access the same resources or capital. to make the same strides, right? And so, you know, a lot of times my clients will say, well, I can't be too direct or too clear about my values because I won't make it in business. And while I understand where they're coming from, things are changing and there are companies that are run by people with deeply aligned core values that care a lot about these issues. And those are your people. And, And for many people, I see that they find themselves squished or condensed into, you know, a watered down version of themselves. They're afraid to speak their values. And at the end of the day, corporations speak their values all the time with their money.
0: Absolutely. You, know,
1: you just have to look at the fact that here we are now, Crunch Fitness, which has historically been all about queer inclusion and everyone's welcome here. It's a no judgment zone. Well, guess what? You know, The president is contributing to Trump's campaign and has been since 2016. So while Crunch may seemingly be out about their political views. If you look at the numbers and consumers are savvy, you'll see that they're voting with their dollars. You have to be really careful about messaging versus actual deeply held core values of a company and how they're actually making decisions, what they're investing in, who's in a leadership role.
0: Right. Right? If they're
1: saying that they're committed to queer community, how many queer people are in positions of leadership in the company on the financial side? Right. Do they have people on the board that are queer? These are the questions that I ask in conscious business that are difficult questions and people bristle and they're the questions that have to be asked. And that's why for many of the people I coach, they've chosen the path of being solopreneurs or having a small business of their own because they really care so much about integrity and they want to ensure that they establish they stay in alignment with those values, and it gets increasingly difficult to do that when they're working with bigger companies with more stakeholders that may, again, not all be in complete alignment around those perceived core values of a company, right? The ones that they speak to publicly, but may not actually be holding true to internally.
0: Right, exactly. It makes all kinds of sense. I know exactly what you're talking about. As a matter of fact, it was funny when I was writing this book, I was talking to another author and I told her the title and I explained that it was a strategic approach to understanding your your personal values. And she said, you know, Summer, you may not get very far with this book and you're certainly not Mm. going to get into the corporate arena with this book in regards Mm. to, and I said, you know what, let me tell you something. I said, there are corporations who are absolutely, I said, just because I'm saying it this way, doesn't mean if you open the actual book and you look at the subtitle of this book, and I'm telling you that it's a strategic guide to understanding your personal beliefs It's about your core values. It's about your guiding principles. So when we talk Mm -hmm. about that, we can talk about that from a clinical perspective, we can talk about that from a corporation perspective because they all are driven by a mission. They're all driven by their own value system. And so Mm -hmm. we can talk about this and it does align with corporations. However, if they choose not to listen or choose not to open that book, then that's their issue. Yeah. So, you know, because I'm all about educating, but I'm going to educate to the extent that, okay, that you're open to it. If you shut down and you're not open to it, then I'm just running into a wall at that point. So, yeah. And I think
1: in the, in the, in the movement that we're in right now, in the movement of Me Too, in the movement of people speaking truth to the bullshit that does happen in Mm -hmm. corporations, the things that are happening that are still not okay, right? right? That are still not aligned with a culture in business that is truly equitable, diverse, and inclusive for all people, right? Which is ultimately kind of the underpinning of what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. And this is why I find myself working with so many individuals with so many years of corporate experience that are so incredibly valuable and vital to companies. These are women leaders male leaders that have broken the paradigm that are truly empathetic that truly Mm. care about the human side of business and they have reached a point of impasse of burnout of realizing that there are not enough people like them within the institutions that they've worked within and they ultimately wind up becoming consultants or seeking out other co-founders and starting their own businesses having smaller businesses because they are literally exhausted From trying to every single day show up with integrity, with empathy, with courage to have difficult conversations and they're butting up against individuals that are smiling and saying that's really great and thank you for bringing that to my attention. And yet the, the work that needs to happen for real change, which starts at the top right is the work that ultimately doesn't happen and again many companies are becoming self aware they are coming to the realization that the leadership of their companies does not have a leadership toolkit that is grounded in the core values that are needed for the next generation of business that is looking more like women people of color mixed race individuals late you know people of again typically less represented groups are in business now Right. And that's not shifting. We're not going backwards. <laughs> so right. so, at this point, we have to have leaders that understand how to work in multi-ethnic, multiracial, multicultural, multi-orientational cultures. And it's not about comfort. If everyone wants to be safe and comfortable in PC, it's not going to work because the reality is unless you were raised in that level of diversity, And you actually acquired a toolkit for how to navigate it in a way that's inclusive, that's appropriate, that's safe. You're not going to know how to do it naturally. And that's okay. And part of the work is honoring and saying, you know what, I'm not doing this right. And guess what? I am a white person and I'm white-skinned myself, again, and I am not fragile. I can make mistakes and I'm open for correction. I'm open to learning. I know that I have to have a growth mindset around this and not avoid something because in avoiding it, it's actually making it worse, right? And then that's, again, the work that some, some organizations, some companies um, are really doing a great job around. And, you know, one of the things that I'm a part of that I'm proud of is I am part of the conscious capitalism, conscious business movement. and you know, we are having these conversations. Again, there's this keen awareness of like we're not there Mm -hmm. and we want to get there and we need to have conversations around how to get there and part of it is speaking truth to bullshit, getting comfortable with discomfort, having conversations where we're not always the one that's bringing all the ideas and all the solutions. And we are always the ones that are in charge of the the dialogue. And that's something that, again, for people that are historically in a position of power, privilege, and authority, that's very challenging at times. And so the work many leaders have to do is to really just look at, am I leading with this false sense that I should be the one driving the bus making the decisions, holding the map telling people where we're going why we're going there or is this something that we should really be building collaboratively even from the the get-go you know from like the, the, the design of the company and the core values the deeper purpose the culture the company wants to create who defined that stuff and if just a handful of people of privilege design that in the first place that that's probably where the problem began Right. And so for many people, it's like going back to that design and really thinking about how other perspectives get included in that. And, you know, that's the kind of work that my clients do. You know, they're, right. they're consultants, they're coaches, they're amazing at what they do. And they're out in the world, you know, kind of now liberated from the fear of speaking the truths that need to be spoken. And the companies that hire them to come in and do the work are companies that have signed up for that. Right. So, again, you know, I, while there's a lot to be done, I get excited because I do see the shift happening and and, and sometimes when you're in the shift and you're in the mess, it looks messier, right? Right. When you're in the work, things have to fester and we are in, we're at a festering point clearly.
0: (laughs) Many, many things are
1: festering. But that's because everything that's been going on is now brought to the surface. It's not that these things haven't been going on. We were just kind of pretending that they weren't and pretending and playing within sort of an illusion of things are better, right? I
0: totally get what you're saying. And it's like all of a sudden something's been unpeeled and you're like, oh, it's been there all the time, but now it's in our face you know and now it
1: feels like it's worse but it's yeah, not it's, it, it's, it's because not. we're in the work and this is what's this is exactly. what I explain to people as a coach is like the work happens when you move away from the need to be comfortable and safe and play it safe right the work happens when you step out of what you perceive as your zone of safety and comfort especially as a person of privilege that right. it's okay for you to do that you're actually not going to get hurt nothing bad will happen to you right. Right. To me, someone that looks like me, I can step out that comfort zone and I can see what's going to happen if I get into these conversations and try to do better. You know, if I try to actually figure out a different way forward, Um, you know, and again, so in the work is where it feels
0: scary. right? Right. Absolutely. And especially if you are working solely within an organization and trying to do that work where you're saying people just feel so exhausted Because they're in this organization where their values may not align solely and they're trying to get this, this organizational monster to change, you know, and it's like, it's a constant battle within themselves as well as exteriorly in within that, that organization. And so finally people go, okay, you know what, I'm going to disengage and I'm going to start my own business, or I'm going to be, you know, a consultant where I can do this because this makes more sense. Right. You know, because now I can actually run my own show, and I can educate folks on how this yeah. can be done, and do it with companies who are embracing this change.
1: Right. And and that's where it gets tricky because there are again great organizations and right. great companies, and if everyone were to just dump jump ship, there right. would be no great talent. And there's something to be said for those that stay. You know, and that's part of my work is I work a lot with solopreneurs and mm. individuals, but I also do coach executive coach, the individuals that choose to stay. And, you know, for those that stay, it's like, I really want to give them credit for staying in the fire and saying, you know, I want to still do this work internally. You know, someone has to do the work and I'm going to have to figure out how to resource myself, have the right toolkit to show up so I don't get burnt out and really have a plan to navigate the changes that I know need to happen in this organization. And, you know, a lot of it is having a space of empathy for, for leaders in organizations that are trying to work on these challenges and not jumping ship because they too are, you know, struggling, oh, absolutely. you know? So it's like, I try to hold a space for empathy for all the parties involved because it is difficult. And for those people, there are, there are potentially pressures on them from shareholders.
0: Oh, absolutely. To have
1: people take a paycheck home, right? So, you know, they've got all these layers of responsibility on them as decision makers. And then on top of it, the scrutiny of like, are you doing it right? You know, are there harmful things happening? Are there things that are happening? And so while they may have that deeper desire or deeper true inner purpose to change the way their business does business, they're like literally figuring out how do I do this without Putting us in the ground financially, oh, and like everyone that I really care about in this company loses a job as a result of me being too idealistic, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So so
1: often when I'm working with people around is, you know, how do you get back to the deeper purpose and really look at from the strategic side and the core value side how being aligned with those core values and really being committed to those things will actually in the long term result in a better bottom line, right? So I help companies, my, my clients, my, the, the clients that I work with that are coaches and consultants, they help companies look at, you might think you're saving money in the short term by not spending money on equity diversity training or coaching for your executives or your middle managers that are having challenges working in diverse groups or that are not leading effectively. But that coaching, if it's a, if it's really effective, right? Then the people that I coach are masterful at what they do if it's really hitting the mark and individuals are really learning how to work better together, if fewer people are quitting, if you're dealing with fewer quote HR issues, because your organization is gummed up with interpersonal dynamics that are completely draining and de-energizing and leaving people in a space where they don't actually have much creativity to bring, even though they ultimately cared a lot about the company and what it's trying to do big picture You're going to save money and those people are going to do better. They're going to be better salespeople, better marketers, better customer service representatives, better product designers, better engineers, right? Better tech people. So, you know, companies, unfortunately, they get caught up in the short-term glasses, you know, the short-term goggles, but they're not looking at like big picture, long-term, where's this company going to be in five, 10 years if the challenges that you're facing on the human side of your business are not addressed. And if you actually spend time and money and do it in a way that's intentional and strategic and builds what you actually want for the long haul, it might look like you're like paying out whatever it is right now to fix the problem, but you're not looking at the long-term ROI and companies get caught up historically in short-term ROI. It's like the old school business model, cut costs, shorten people's hours, cut healthcare benefits, right? Yeah. But big picture, long term, is that actually saving your company any money when people are sick, burnt out, overwhelmed, stressed, leave your company, bad mouth your company, right? All these things have an actual cost and an actual impact. So a lot of what I do and the people that I support, you know, as my own clients do, is help companies really look at the big picture, full strategic map with all the elements, not just right. the business pieces, right? Not just the revenue model pieces, Absolutely. but the, the human pieces, right?
0: Oh yeah. You've got to look at it. It's so multi-layered and multifactorial that it's like, there are so many things. And a lot of times that can be overlooked. So when you're hiring a coach or a consultant and doing the strategic work, you know, you've got to look at what already exists, the, the factors that can help, and what's going to help on the short term, what's going to help on the long term. It's just so layered. And to separate that and really start working on, okay, what is your mission? What do you want to see here? What do you want in regards to, like you said, return on investment? And sometimes it's not just what you're doing on the short term, it's what you're gonna be doing on the long term that's really gonna get you you are your ROI, like you said.
1: Exactly. And no. that's the challenge is that we do live in a short term gratification, short term oh, yes. culture. And it's part, it's kind of like, you know, you could compare that exactly to the slow food movement versus fast food movement. Mm-hmm. But again, fast food, if you just look at the health and social costs, you know, mental right. health, physical health, weight chemicals, all the things, the cost of saving money right. is not there. So, you know, this is going to relate directly to how I coach my, my clients now, which is often when we're entrepreneurs, we're business leaders ourselves, we try to cut corners in our own business because we think, well, we've got to bootstrap. we got to get there. We're not earning enough to invest in support or get the better business platform so that our work is easier or hire the team early enough. And I see the biggest Fail that clients of mine make is stretching themselves so thin, thinking they're going to make enough short term revenue gains that they'll then have the money later to invest in themselves and into the business so that it can be big picture sustainable. And 90% of the time, I work with people, they've been stuck in that loop for years and they're not getting there. Their business is not growing because they're depleted, because they're trying to do everything that. They're trying to figure out everything themselves. And they come from a mentality of scarcity often out of, you know, it's fear. It's fear of investing in getting help in their businesses. And that's one of the things that I help, you know, whether it's small businesses or medium businesses, I help them break that scarcity mindset. It's not about throwing money out the window and hiring any old coach and just buying whatever business, you know, platform that's, you know, the, the talk of the day. It's about, you know, again, getting really great strategic advice from people that have gotten there that are where you want to be what's actually worked for them and then trusting that you yourself have the stuff that it takes to get there from the experiential perspective you've got the acumen you've got the expertise you're just as good as those individuals that have succeeded and you yourself are not resourced and you're not going to get there on your own trying to figure out everything by yourself trying to do the back end of your business the admin the social media marketing the communications go out and be the speaker be on the panels work with clients do the contracts do the perform the work it's literally the most i mean when i look at the way that some of the people i work with come to me in their businesses i'm astounded because they're so resourceful and they're working so hard and they're not actually earning that much money at the end of the day, because the time that they're spending on back end business tasks is time that would be best spent on the front end as the thought leader, as the speaker, as the person in charge of developing the message and the business relationships and speaking to the core values of their brand. That's really the, they're the only person that can at best. Right. And their time is gummed up on all the other things. So, you know, just kind of bringing it down to the specific. Like that's one of the ways that I support entrepreneurial leaders is really getting them to take the leap to invest in getting help. And for many of them, that means working with me and me helping them look at their business strategically, figuring out exactly what their zone of genius is, right? Where they should focus their offering. Maybe they're trying to do too many things for the for now, right? A lot of the people I work with, they have many social impact goals they want to work with people at all levels socially economically they want to work with different kinds of institutions but when you're a one person two person three person show it's really hard to do that and so I really work work with them on focusing on on one or two areas that are their absolute zone of genius reach sustainability with those things and then build a team and then allow other people to help them reach their bigger vision well right of of impacting more people working with different groups and different places in different countries, you know, very much like myself. Like if I didn't have my own team, which I'm going to give a shout out to Melanie Albright of Bright Solutions, who's my COO and runs her own company of VAs that is phenomenal. If it weren't for her, I'd be spending my days, you know, working on the back end of my business. And I wouldn't get to be out in the world developing relationships and talking to people about my message. And that's ultimately why I've been able to grow. So I think that's the question I want to kind of pose to anybody that's listening that is a business leader, that is a solopreneur, that is a, an entrepreneurial leader of a company that is doing all the things. You know, what would happen if you started to delegate to other people, really step up in leadership and begin to empower others to help you see your vision through and take on significant pieces of the work and you do actually less, quote, work? And focus more on the big picture relationships, the strategy, the connection, the core values, the getting the message out about your business. You know, what would happen? What could shift if you were liberated to do just that? And when I work with people around that, often it's amazing what can happen in just three months, you know, how things can change for them when they start to
0: get more help. Right. Well, I love that. And I love that, you know, the way that you put that, because I think that it is really a mind shift. It is a shift in an emotional shift as well as a mind shift. And what I mean by that is if you've been doing process the same way for years and you're not comfortable in changing that process, then you have to change the way that somebody thinks and feels about the process first, because if you don't, they're not going to be engaged and they're going to be worried and scared and consumed by that concern. So yeah, absolutely. I absolutely. think the way that you're approaching it is great because you're so right on. Many of us who own businesses, we take on everything from <laughs> talking about our mission, why it's important to doing our own marketing, to doing A, B, C, D, E, F to Z. And quite mm-hmm. frankly, you don't have enough time for it all. So how do you change your mindset and your feeling about your process to really engage something new and different that's really going to help support your business Absolutely. and the passion that you have for it? So,
1: And as you're saying that, I'm thinking about what usually comes up for my clients when I do the inner work. So I work with my clients on the the deep inner work along with the outer strategy, right? And how okay. you actually implement it. So inner work is so many of my clients come from cultures where the narrative is that you have to work really hard and sacrifice your life in business to give back to your family and your community and to succeed. And this is a deeply embedded narrative in so yes. many families and so many cultures That I work with clients all the time. I'm working with a man right now who's at IBM. He's been there for 25 years and he's never been promoted and he's not making enough money for being there as long as he's been there. And he comes from a culture historically where you're lucky to have a job at IBM because of who you are and the color of your skin. So why should you be advocating for a team for more support you know you should just be happy you have a good job you should be grateful you get to work at a big company and these are the narratives that i work with people on whether they're internal or work for themselves which is do you have a story of struggle do you have a story of i have to have this experience of overwhelm this is part of the journey what if it doesn't have to be that way and that's where it's different often for Again, I hate to bring it back up, but you know, people of historical privilege that were raised with access to resources, they spent money to solve problems.
0: Right. To make
1: money. And they were raised with the mindset that it's okay to spend money to solve a problem or to invest in your in something to make more money, to spend right. money to make money people that come from historically marginalized groups or groups that historically were colonized and were the working class were raised with narrative to save every penny, work really hard. And if they're really, really lucky someday, maybe they'd get to retire. And so that's the underbelly of what has to happen when I, when I'm doing the work with people as a coach is like, you really have to get in there and look at your stories around money, success, spending, getting help, you know? Right. And really think about like those stories were the stories that were passed down to you, but do they have to be your story? Right. Right. I love that. My story is nothing like my parents' story. My, my, my mother's story. My mom had a stroke when I was six months pregnant because she was 250 pounds because she never took care of herself because she was raised in a Puerto Rican family with nine kids that came from Puerto Rico with no resources where the matriarchs, the women, the girls in the family, their whole life was about cooking and cleaning and taking care of everybody except themselves. All of my aunts have stress-related illnesses, have died of breast cancer, have died early because of blood pressure-related illnesses that are very common among women of color. And I'm here to stand for these women now, modern women like myself, that's the next generation, and say, it's up to us to break the cycle of lack and intergenerational trauma of women, of thinking that we have to do it all on our own and that we're responsible for everyone and everything and put ourselves last and that that's okay because we're in service, because we're women, because we care. We can't create the impact that we're meant to create in the world when we're overstretched and depleted and we've got to do the work to step up and realize that we're the only ones that can shift that. And it's not going to be some magical unicorn that's going to swoop down and give us like the 160 K in revenue overnight so that then we can go invest in ourselves. It's about making those investments at each stage in a way that's just stretching for what we think we can do. I'm not again suggesting taking out loans and making dangerous investments or doing stupid things, but with advice, with the right tools, continually stretching to spend money to pay to to fix a problem that's keeping us stuck versus us trying to fix a problem that a we might not be equipped to fix or it's going to take too long to fix right so just and and for many of us that could mean paying someone to clean the house or you know paying someone to help with the admin in your business you know whatever the thing is that is clogging up your time. You know, when my when again going back to my own story, I made that commitment to myself that I was not going to be that mom for my daughter. I have a six-year-old little girl and I made a promise that my business was not going to have me in a place where I was so overstretched and exhausted that I couldn't show up and be a good mom and couldn't play with her and didn't have energy when I picked her up from school at three o'clock. So I designed my business For me to work the hours that I need to work to be really strategic and focused and get what I need to get done, and then I outsource the rest so I can be with my family. And Mm -hmm. if you're, you know, if you're really spending time thinking about what your business should look like in the ideal, and then you reverse engineer out of that what you need to have in place to get you there. You're going to get there a lot faster than kind of just struggling and hustling and grinding along, trying to get to some insurmountable goal that you actually haven't designed in a way that's achievable and in many ways is not fair to you as the person doing all the work to get there. So that's kind of like my call to action or the thing that I always invite people to think about is really take stock of what you're doing in your business, in your life. How stretched are you? How much are you hustling and grinding and working? And is it actually paying off in a return, not only financially in your business, but in your work-life balance? And if it's not, then what are the shifts that you might need to make that may feel scary, that if you made them, things could really look different in six months from now?
0: Right. I think this is, Exceptional information. You have some great questions you put out there to folks, which are really important to ask because people just don't even know where to start, begin, what questions to ask of themselves, and what that might feel like. And have an idea of, like, oh, I am going to feel a little uncomfortable here. Ooh, this is not the way that I usually do it. Oh, for change, I am going to have to do something different. So I think those are some great questions, you know, just starting out. Now, I was going to ask you some other questions, but the other questions that I had actually correlated with those, the discussion we've already had. So with all that said, if you were to leave some words of wisdom for our listeners today, what would those words of wisdom be? How would you wrap this up?
1: Yeah, I guess what I always want to have people think about is just, can you sit with the full value of what you're creating in the world through your work, through your core values as an agent of change? Like, have a moment with yourself to really own all of your life's journey, all your expertise, everything that you've amassed that got you to the point that you are the good, the bad, and the ugly, because all of that is your full value. And when you think about that full value that you are, that you can create in the world through who you are, is that value being compensated? Are you in alignment? Is what you are receiving in alignment with what you are putting out in the world. And so I want you to kind of create in your mind that the scales on both sides of the seesaw, fill the bucket on the left with everything you do in the world, everything you put out, all the people you care for, all the energy that you are expending for your mission, for your work. And then I want you to look at the other side and is the seesaw balanced? Are you receiving back in the form of yes, revenue and compensation financially are you getting enough are you making enough for all the work you do in the world and in that bucket are you getting enough support do you have enough self care do you have enough enough people in your space that are working with you on your vision so that you are really fully supported and in balance i want you to look at that and if you're feeling out of balance what do you want to do about it what would happen if you did something about it and what if it could feel incredible on the other side of that if you were actually in alignment and receiving as much as you were giving.
0: Well, I love those words of wisdom. And Brigitte, thank you for your passion, your insight, and your wisdom. I really appreciate you being on the Core Women podcast with me today.
1: Thank you so much, Summer. I've you know, been following you on LinkedIn. I love your message. I love what you're speaking out into the world, the truth that you're bringing. And we need more women like you in the world so thank thank you you. for your podcast and for what you're doing
0: well right back at you thank you so much if you'd like to know more about Bridget please follow her on LinkedIn or go to embracechange.us and join her community of value-driven entrepreneurs if you need a strategic empowerment coach contact me if you want to tell your story of empowerment or how you have reconstructed your life to drive change Send me a video or an email of your story, providing permission to use it on my social media platforms. If you want to be featured on my podcast, reach out to me at info at corewomen.com. I want to hear from you and to get to know you. You are now part of the Core Women home. Let's get to know each other. Let's learn from one another. Please follow Core Women on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please let your women friends know about this podcast. If you write about Core Women in your social media posts, please hashtag CORE Women. This is all about women. Thank you for taking the time to learn more about CORE Women and please stay tuned for continued growth of the CORE Women movement. Let's grow and drive change together.